So this is a profile that was first on the cut, just talking about the terrible working conditions of workers at Xi'an, which is a fast fashion company that started in China. Jerry, what is one thought you had about this? Reading about the worker conditions, so they're like only paid maybe five hundred a month. They have eighteen-hour workdays. Uh, the conditions are terrible. I know Jeff Bezos is salivating. I know he wishes he could <laughs> yeah. do this. Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast. We're just two Asian-American comedians talking about politics and the Asian-American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We're coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him. And you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And my co-host... Hey, my name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me across the internet at Jerryaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I. Awesome. So we're going to start this podcast off with our opening segment, Practice What You Preach. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about politics, but it's also important to do things, which is why each week, Jerry and I share one thing we did related to politics or organizing in real life. This week, I'll go first. I did not do that much this week besides the regular Sunday mocha picket line, which I just came from outside the Museum of Chinese in America. It was a great turnout. We had about like 18 people there, even though it was raining. um, We were still flyering and chanting for three hours. Um, So yeah, it was a good time, but um, not too much besides that. So no updates, no no movement or anything? Um, About the, the museum? Yeah, yeah. Just like any, any like, has anything been happening, whether good or bad, that kind of thing? I mean, I'd say the biggest thing is with the museum schedules. So they were actually closed today and um, their schedule's kind of in flux. Like they say they're only open on Saturdays, but their website still says they're open five days a week. So I guess on the museum side, there's a little bit of weird fluctuation going on and it's very, it seems very inconsistent. Like to us, it doesn't really matter. Like we're still going to be there spreading the word you know, doing this boycott for now. Um, so on the museum side, no, but sometimes picket is just picket, you know, like a part of, like part of a picket line. Sometimes there's nothing like flashy or exciting and it's not like super dynamic every week, but I guess part of a picket line is just, you know, being there, right. And doing mm-hmm. it um, and keeping it going. Cool. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's not, it's not always about being flashy. It's, it's really about not consistency. Flashy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like the big difference, right? Like people love the big protests and the big marches that are like a one day thing. And mm-hmm. then you do nothing for the entire year. But pickets are, it's pickets more of like a marathon, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. But yeah. What were you up to this week? Uh, so I went to, uh, it's the weekly bashing of DSA. No, I um, <laughs> I did go to the DSA healthcare working group meeting. Um, very interesting. Uh, you know, I think I've talked before how the DSA website says that there are 90,000 members for the New York City branch and uh, 24 people showed up. Which, oh, nice. <laughs> which you know, you, you kind of just mentioned 18, but I feel like yours is like a consistent and this was like, it was raining. This is like 90, th- uh, this is like 24 people on Zoom, you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And this was, um, this was the, the health justice working group? I think so. Healthcare working group, health justice is probably the same thing. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you seem less enthusiastic about it than I do. 
Uh, wait, so so what did you um okay so 24 people on a zoom and what did you all talk about yeah it's funny that you say i'm i sound less enthusiastic because i mean what we did talk about was something that i'm pretty passionate about so we talked a lot about the new york health act which if you don't know is the single payer system for all new york residents it's the legislation that's First been proposed in like 1992, blah, 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 blah. Uh, for for context, California passed something similar this year, except they actually passed it, uh, meaning that pretty much everyone in California, regardless of like anything, really, even citizenship, they gets gets health care. Um, and we don't have that here. And it would be cool if we did. And DSA's approach seemed to be based again in electoral politics and it seemed like a lot of chess playing like they were outlining the plan to like find a candidate who could make the New York Health Act their central thing and then that meant researching districts with a lot of uninsured people preferably with an opponent who is against the Health Act so I don't know that seems like oh interesting well how do you feel about that that part I'm like okay sure I I uh I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about single issue candidates, but I know like for voters, people can be single issue voters. Um, mm. And I'm, I guess like the later plan is what kind of was like weird to me is like, they were just like, yeah. And then after we, you know, get one, we just elect more and more. And I was like, mm. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but and- the, the rest of the strategy was basically make sure like the public people know about the New York Health Act and that kind of thing. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, public awareness. Um, yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah, or did they like assign any to do items to you specifically, or no, no, oh, okay, no, <laughs> okay. it's um, no, they did not assign me anything directly. They did not assign anything to anyone directly. They instead mentioned more meetings into smaller committees, including a communications committee, uh, internal organizing committee, an electoral committee, and then a research committee, um, which would do all that research about finding a candidate and, you know, researching districts and things like that. Hmm. So, yeah, further Uh, further breaking down, I imagine there's going to be like (laughs) eight people at those meetings. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, you only have 24 total. Uh, You you might just split into groups of like three, four, five. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, will you be going back to the next one? Yeah, I I mean, like, just because I feel like the New York Health Act is a pretty, I don't know, it'd be nice to have health care for everyone. Um, Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it would be really, really influential. Don't know if we'll see it, but um, I, I, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll go back um, or go to, you know, some of the other meetings that they've outlined, I guess. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) cool. Okay. Well, (laughs) we'll keep seeing how it goes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the meat of this episode. This week in Asian American news, New York City nail salon workers are finally getting ventilation systems in their workplaces. Uh, They say proper ventilation can protect their reproductive health. And we thought we'd cover this piece just because, uh, you know, 50 percent of nail salon owners are Vietnamese and then a lot more or not a lot more. But and then some are owned by Korean folks. So, Aaron, what did you think of this article? Yeah, no, I agree. Like many are owned by, you know, broadly speaking, Asian people. Right. In this Mm -hmm. article, they also cover South Asians. Um, My I guess my first thought 
was I had no idea how harmful these chemicals were. This article starts off with a profile on one Nepalese woman who suffered seven miscarriages in the span of eight years while working as a nail technician. I'm like, whoa, that is really bad and really depressing. I had no idea it was literally messing with, you know, like to that degree. I thought it was just like, oh, these smells are bad. They give you a migraine, but, you know, you'll be fine once you're back in the open. No, it's terrible. Uh, what, What did you think? Yeah, the that that profile really uh, stuck with me because, you know, miscarriages aren't unheard of. I think the rate is like typically 10 to 15 percent, like 10 out of 10 to 15 out of 100. But uh, seven in eight years, isn't that like a rate of like 88 percent? I feel like that's that's like very, very bad. Yeah, no, it's terrible. And like you were saying, um, this study, they found that 25 percent of nail technicians had complications during pregnancy compared to just 8% in America overall. So they have three times the rate, which is really bad. Yeah. And I guess like, I'm kind of surprised we're just now getting around to this, I guess, just because, you know, we kind of went through COVID. So I figured, you know, we would have installed ventilation by now. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. This whole article is so, I mean, it's not strange, but they, they passed these requirements for ventilation systems six years ago. Mm-hmm. And the deadline is just now. Um, it was supposed to be last year, but it was pushed back another year because of COVID. So it's like all these places are now required to have one. Otherwise, they'll have to pay a fine. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for those six years, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of people. Um, I feel like, like, how long does it take to put in an, a ventilation unit into a place? Okay, that part I, I, I can under, understand just because like I know HVAC is like a whole thing and it means like yeah. gutting a building, that kind of thing. But still, I, I feel like I said, I feel like during COVID that, you know, that would have been your chance to do it as like the city reopened, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not surprised that that's the case in regards to like chemicals and nails, you know, like we, you mentioned migraines and stuff, but... Um, I don't know. I, I can barely handle being around acetone, like nail polish remover. So oh, I can only, yeah. Im- yeah, I can only imagine when you're like, I mean, like, think about, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a nail salon, but like, I know like, <laughs> y- <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, me neither. I don't, I don't like the idea. I don't like it, but um, I, I am familiar with the concept. And um, I know like, for example, you can use like a UV light to like, um, I think it's to like, let's dry the glue or something like activate the glue or whatever um, for nails and like just the, the various glues and chemicals you would put on your fingers. I can't imagine that's good for just like an individual. And I can't imagine being surrounded by that for eight, eight plus hours, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, tons of Asian Americans who are young get their nails done a lot. And I'm kind of, I kind of hope that this is a moment where they can get more involved in like, Asian American workers issues or Asian workers Ooh, issues. Yeah. You know, like I guess, you know, since the Atlanta spa shootings, we, you know, started talking about salons in general, but I'm like, you know, besides that, there's still so many different issues affecting workers on a day to day. And it's like, yo, if you're shopping from these places and getting your nails done, you might as well care more about other aspects of the workers as well. Right. Cause we're always talking about like, Oh, representation matters. It's important that these people look like me. Okay. Your salon worker looks like you care about them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and their, their health is declining rapidly. Yeah. I mean, okay. 
To be fair, I'm sure when you're getting your nails done, your health is also declining a little bit, but, <laughs> but, 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 not, but not nearly as much as like a worker. But yeah, yeah, I hope this is, you know, I always think these stories are good opportunities for people to care more um, about workers and, and their circumstances. Yeah. All right. And speaking of workers and the, their circumstances, our next piece is also on workers. The title of this article that we're covering is called Gen Z Fast Fashion Comes at an Inhumane Cost to Xi'an Workers. So this is a profile that was first on the cut, just talking about the terrible working conditions of workers at Xi'an, which is a fast fashion company that started in China. Jerry, what is one thought you had about this? Reading about the worker conditions, so they're like only paid maybe 500 a month. They have 18 hour work days. Uh, the conditions are terrible. I know Jeff Bezos is salivating. I know he yeah, wishes he could yeah. do this. Like we were talking about like the warehouse fire the other week. I, I bet, you know, these workers would have to work through that. And it he could only wish to press his workers like this. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds bad. And I've seen Shein headlines here and there. I'm like, oh, this company does not sound good. But when everything's put in one single article, it's like, oh, this is really not good. There was one paragraph in that cut profile that was like, Shein has repeatedly come under fire for just about everything you can do wrong with a company, including poor working conditions, high levels of toxic chemicals in its clothing, copying independent designers' items, and mishandling customer data. I was like, yo, this is literally like Thanos, but for worker violations. And mm. <laughs> they're just collecting every possible thing they could do. Yeah, I guess like what's what's next? Like what's going to stop them, you know? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Amazon. It's like, you know, like people all know that Amazon is bad, but still a lot of people shop at Amazon, like myself included. Like, but And it's like with Shein, it's, I, I don't know if this will be enough to encourage people to stop shopping through there like fast fashion in america like fast fashion just has such a strong hold on america right now mm -hmm. um yeah well what do you think i feel like the critique against fast fashion is like oh well some people can't afford slower fashion that kind of thing but mm. i feel like i've seen in an article or that these aren't typically like low income people who are buying from Shein, or they're doing like straight up hauls where they're they're going to see like how much clothes they can buy for like x amount of dollars and i, I don't know i feel like that kind of behavior i don't think is going to go anywhere anytime soon you know yeah so you're saying it's like the people buy <laughs> i guess this also shows that i don't shop at all at shein <laughs> i just also just read about it in the news but it's like the people buying clothes at shein are not i don't know like people who who are like extremely low income they're like maybe like middle income gen z people with lots of disposable income i wouldn't even say lots of disposable income but i have shopped on shein before i'll come oh, clean okay. i'll say it uh, it's 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 actually hit or miss i will say that i i have a sweater from shein that like i've worn and i was like this is a i've had it for several years it was a it's genuinely a great sweater but mm. that's out of like dozens of dozens of clothes right i don't i i think it's like the only thing i still have that's like shein yeah um i i no longer shop at shein just so just so <laughs> i don't get canceled i just want to make that clear i don't shop at shein that said it was fun to see like okay like how much could i how how many clothes how much how what could i get for 50 bucks you know like yeah. how many clothes how many pieces that kind of thing because like 
when when you shop literally anywhere else, like uh, I guess like a brand like I don't know, Madewell, Everlane, whatever, um, a pair of jeans is maybe fifty to eighty dollars, and you could buy you could buy ten pairs of jeans with that kind of you know when you shop at yeah. Shein, you could get. So it's it's hard. Like I I don't know what the answer is. If you're not gonna raise minimum wage so people can buy other things, like of course they're gonna buy the cheapest possible thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that it's cool that high-end fashion is being democratized through Shein, but clearly part of the reason they can keep prices so low is because of worker exploitation, right? So right. it's like the ones who, the people who are suffering are the ones, you know, making these clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and truly just very, very long hours. I mean, 18-hour workdays, one day off a month, people washing their hair during lunch breaks. And then the worst thing I read was, you know, you lose two-thirds of your daily wage if you make a mistake on one piece of clothing. That is seriously stressful. Yeah, that's... I'm trying not to make a joke about, like, Asian rigor and studying and that kind of thing, so I will refrain. Um, (laughs) I wanted to get your, your what you thought, though. Like, do you feel like stuff like this is kind of almost whiplashy like what does the media want americans to think of chinese people like it's simultaneously like fear-mongering china while also making them feel sorry for the chinese people that's a great question i when i read about xian i read i think a lot about people making jokes about chinese people making iphones Mm. like very similar concepts oh like they're working long hours and then sometimes people would say like oh it's chinese kids making iphones and it's like i I feel like at least with the iPhone situation, the concern was disingenuous. Like it was just for the sake of a joke, right? Right. And for Sheehan, I mean, this, you know, this profile is bad, but I, you know, I don't know if people will genuinely care about the conditions of Chinese workers or is it just like a new punchline? Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm not the right target person for this. Like I would that's a question I would pose to people shopping at this brand. But in my mind, I'm, I worry that it just is a new punchline. It's like, Oh damn, you're working so hard. What are you a Shein worker? Mm. Like that kind of thing. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of Americans, they don't care about the working conditions of Chinese workers because they're still reaping the benefits of the items. Yeah. Or like they don't yeah. they don't care enough to give up the item. Is, is yeah, like Nike. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know Nike was had something going on, but Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they, they have like sweatshops. It was like a whole thing oh, when Ka- okay, Kaepernick okay. like was became like the uh spokesperson model for them and mm. people were like, Oh, you you pro- you promote sweatshops. And I was oh, like, I don't yeah. The man has no job. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like yeah. America really cares about I mean, not even all Americans care about the plight of Amazon workers. Yeah, that's like, true. I feel like they're at least more sympathetic when the workers are in the same country as opposed to like a distant <laughs> land. You know, I don't know. Asking yeah. Americans if they can place China on the map. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because we covered, you know, the FCC, FTC, one of the FE, F, uh, uh, FCC. Yeah, banning Huawei, and I want to see them ban Xi'an and Romwei and Zaful and all those other related companies. We'll see if they oh, do that's anything, so you know? that's so true, yeah. yeah. You know, if Xi'an ever introduces any kind of technology into their clothes, you know, America's going to start cracking down. You like, know, you can, you can, I wouldn't say it's like high-tech technology, but you can buy electronics off of Xi'an. Oh, really? 
Yeah, like they sell wow. keyboards and stuff. Not like great keyboards or anything like that, but I mean, it's there. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised they're not on the list. That literally sounds the same as Huawei, just like a Chinese, you know, Chinese tech, you know, being shipped to yeah. America. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure it's just AliExpress with a prettier skid. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, thank you for making it this far. Just want to do a quick shout out. Uh, sorry, quick plug. If you like our podcast, please take a few seconds on your phone to go to Apple or Spotify and click five stars. That really helps us out. Um, and if you really want to support us, also, you can uh, feel free to donate on Patreon at patreon.com slash politically Asian. Um, we're currently raising money to, you know, provide episode transcriptions, get a video editor and uh, more. All right. Back to the episode. Well, moving on to the next item on the docket, uh, we have BTS members enlisting in the military. Oh, no. And uh, I will say when I saw this item on the our list, I started listening to BTS and, you know, they, they really put out some bangers. Um, I feel a little late to the game considering they won't get back together until supposedly 2025. But yeah. uh, Aaron, what did you think? I mean... <laughs> Well, now that you mentioned song, uh, you know, they have that one song called Dynamite. And it's like, okay, now you might be using Dynamite. You know, it's like <laughs> very yeah. Yeah. interesting transition from pop star to potential soldier. Uh, I mean, my first thought when I read this was finally digging into, wow, like, why does South Korea still enlist, you know, people into the military? And then apparently it's just to protect against a potential threat from North Korea. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I guess um, geo. It's like it just shows me how like geopolitical tensions like still exist even a lot after the main war, the Korean War, right? It's still just yeah a consistent theme of like, oh, but what happens if this, if that? So let's be extra prepared. Yeah, I I thought I remember reading that too, and I was just like, I just imagine like BTS doing their little dance on like the DMZ, just like. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of great memes. Yeah. <laughs> great memes on Twitter. Great, a lot of funny content on Twitter about this. But yeah, I will say, I, after reading more into the mandatory service, apparently there are exemptions that mm. currently only apply to decorated athletes. So, for example, athletes at the Olympics, and also top classical musicians. Yeah, so. <laughs> I saw that. And that made me laugh really hard. I was like, damn, if only y'all had picked a different genre. Yeah. <laughs> if only your management company gave you instruments instead of like dancing lessons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you were part of the orchestra or something, then you could be accepted. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't. Yeah, it was it was really wild to hear like how much because I, I, I know they generate a lot of money, but like. I saw like one article say that between 2014 and 2023, it's expected that they bring in t almost $30 billion for South Korea's economy. They have $1 billion this year in exported merch. Like it's just, it's, it's why can you imagine, dude, can you imagine if we put out podcast merch and that's that, that brought in a billion dollars oh, yeah. into the US economy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's crazy. People, people were literally bending over backwards. Like I saw like lawmakers, ambassadors, uh, tons of government officials were like trying to do something for them to get them to like not go into the military to 
desperately find a loophole. Um, and I read that like the extension that was given and like if you're if you're like a 28 year old, uh, there's like a two year extension for notable mm-hmm. K-pop artists was supposedly <laughs> for Jin, just, like hit one man alone. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. crazy. They passed a law because of one dude. <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't like a serial killer. He wasn't like a he, it was nothing bad. It was just like, we don't want him to follow this one law that we put in place. You know, like, that's, yeah. that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. No, the amount of money every year is wild. So, yeah, like on, on average in one year, they contribute about uh, essentially three to four billion, maybe even five billion on the high side if we just, you know, do the math. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so in two years of military service, South Korea will lose, let's say, about like eight to ten billion dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, there, there's no way these seven people are worth that much in terms of like military value, right? Like you're giving oh, yeah. up eight billion of GDP for training these seven people who, I mean, I don't know how good they may or may not be as soldiers, but I'm like. No, I think they're gonna kill it. I think yeah. they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna fucking rock in the military because K-pop training is intense. Like idol training is like really, really oh, hard. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think they're gonna kill it. I, will they get bullied in, in the camp? I don't know. I feel like yeah. they also might get bullied, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I'm sure they'll kill it because anything that involves memorization might be like a piece of cake to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you were saying like they bring in like eight billion. Yeah, it's about like four billion, five billion a year. Yeah, so they're two years of military service, which is wild because I was like, and what? You know, like I know the U.S. spends like a gajillion, yeah. a gajillion, <laughs> yeah. million dollars on our military. Like, how much does Korea spend? Korea's like forty billion dollars. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. like one fifth. One fifth of their budget is like BTS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I mean. On the other hand, um, part of the reason they a lot of critics still want to have BTS serve is because they don't want rich and powerful people to skip national duty for any kind of reason. And when I heard that, I'm like, okay, I can I can respect that. That's it's tough to let BTS do this, but at the same time, I like the fact that like rich and powerful people are not getting ex- exemptions. You know, like, yeah, it's like the opposite love. in America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, okay, on one hand, like, I agree. On one hand, I agree, yes, good, no loopholes for rich and powerful people. On the other hand, patriotism. Oh, Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 My final thought on this was, I wonder what's going to happen to K-pop stands while BTS is in the military. You know, like, mm. there's no new music Will the Korean wave sort of die down with like one of its anchors not here anymore? Uh, will oh, another yeah. country's pop culture kind of come in over two years, right? That's a, that's a while. Um, that was my <laughs> that was like my final thought. Oh uh, yeah, that's an interesting take. I don't know. It's it's there's gonna be like a power vacuum in in, in, <laughs> yeah. in you know, <laughs> and then and then when they come back in 2025, it's gonna be Avatar: The Last Airbender theme music, you know? Melt the iceberg. Personally, I feel like at least I feel like Vietnamese food and Thai food are making waves right now. Now, I don't know about pop culture, but in my mind, I was like, okay, maybe one of those two groups will kind of, you know, you think you think a Southeast Asian group is going to break through? I I mean, who else is there left? It's like (laughs) I I feel like East Asians in general have it down. South Asians have a lot of pop culture stuff going on in TV. Um, Southeast Asians, I feel like that's like the. I can't really 
I mean, I mean, I don't know, Rich Brian from 88 Rising, but that's that's not the best Does example. Does it count? Does it count? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you ah, have that's like a whole debate in itself, which we won't go too deep yeah, into. But yeah. like, I know in the Filipino community, we've been looking at Trader Joe's pumping out all this ube content, and we're like, hey. We're watching you. You better not avocado <laughs> this up. We we can't we can't afford the, what happened to the avocados. You know, like yeah, yeah. ube is ours. Mm, so mm. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. All right, and moving on to our next topic. This one also involves a star of a slightly different field. Um, so Anna May Wong. Uh, she was you know known for being a Chinese American actress who was who sort of paved the way in Hollywood in the early 1900s. She is the first Asian American to be featured on U.S. currency, specifically the quarter. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> what is one thought you had on this? Uh, so many. Um, good. This is a good thing. Period. We have been thinking about being in movies for almost a hundred years, which is a separate thought from the first one that I said. Aaron, your your take? Yeah, I was like. <laughs> Wow, our struggle for this has lasted a long time. So that puts, you know, all of the Asian people who really care about movies into a little more perspective um, in the grand passage of time. Well, my first thought was how and where and why did this happen? And in summary, the U.S. Mint, which is responsible for making coins specifically, so not dollar bills, just coins. They started this program called American Women Quarters Program. Cool. And it's specifically designed to just put women on quarters and coins. And I'm like, this. I'm like, who gave the U.S. Mint money to do this? And I'm, I feel like if you gave it to any other department, you could have, you know, done something better for women over time. Aaron, what do you mean? Who gave them money? They literally just made the money. Oh, yeah, what they, do you mean? <laughs> We're going them. to pay ourselves to yeah, do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's true. They just pay themselves in the the coins only. But I'm like, I feel like the Treasury Department who prints dollar bills. I mean, if I had to pick a currency, I would have gone for a dollar bill because it's like, it's like, is this really a win for representation if no one uses quarters? I mean. I, I feel like black folks have been trying to get Harriet Tubman on the bill for a while. And they, where, you know, like, what happened to that? What yeah. Did, what, has it been like, literally what happened? I, I feel like I don't know where that campaign went. I, I, I just feel like, I just feel like I agree. Yeah, there's, I feel like we could have done more for literally anyone than just putting our face on money, specifically coins. Yeah. Um, and about the Harriet Tubman $20 bill. It's still in the motions, but um, oh, though okay. uh, separately, uh, Maya Angelou was put on the quarter, and people who are waiting for Harriet Tubman on the twenty were mad that Maya Angelou got put on the quarter first before Harriet Tubman on the twenty. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like coins coins are a little easier. I feel like we haven't seen anyone change on the dollars in in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, overall, I'm just like. It's like a win, but you know, who uses quarters and then it's currency overall. It could have been done better for any other group. I, I, I won't say I won't say who uses quarters because, you know, going cashless is a classist policy. Yes, exactly. All that. But I mean, I, I don't like the jingle jangle. I'll take it out when I come home. I, I'm never <laughs> walking around with quarters, you know? Yeah. So I, I do feel that. I, I guess like... <laughs> 
I, I was thinking, you know, we could have picked literally anyone, literally anyone else. No vets, but like we could have picked a lot of different people like Yuri Kochiyama and Edward Seed and, you know, like all the people that we talk about, uh, Larry Itliong, like the labor organizer. But then like when I was like making that list because I was going to turn it into an infographic, um, I was like, you know what? They probably and this is no no shade to Anna May Wong, but I feel like they don't put really radical people on the coins because like they it it has to be something that's like palatable and tamer to a wider group of Asians. Right. Like, I'm sure there were definitely Asians who were telling Yuri Kochiyama to shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah, for sure. And when I thought about this, I mean, this was, I guess, specifically targeted. It's a program for women on quarters. But I thought of like um, how Nani K. Trask. Um, she's the the native Hawaiian activist who, you know, often goes, you know, went viral on Twitter for her famous speeches like "We are not Americans, like we yeah. are Hawaiian." Like that. Oh yeah, that stuff's really radical to say out loud. And I, when I thought about people to put on quarter, I thought about her. But I, you know, would America ever put her on a quarter? Uh, I don't think so. I also feel like maybe she wouldn't want to be on a quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean. This this quarters program, they're releasing like 30 more. They're doing five per year for the next four or five years. So in the future, you know, they could pick an Asian American woman who's more involved in like politics or something more serious. But for now, it's like they're starting with anime Wong. It feels like to me, like, you know, those Google doodles that they put out when it's like a special day. It's like someone's birthday, yeah. someone's anniversary. It's like this famous inventor's thingamajig. I feel like it's like kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. Will I be getting one of these court? Will I like try to find one of these quarters? Yeah, of course. But like, it, it has <laughs> to me, it has like the cultural impact of like a Google Doodle. That is yeah. my truth. Yeah, yeah. Be- because it's brief. Yes, kind of because it's like a fleeting moment where it's just like, huh? Look at this ching chong. Anyway, yeah. I'm gonna order. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I overall just feel like, you know, like we are sort of going cashless, even if it's you know not like a good move overall like i just feel like like i i I really have trouble thinking about when the last time i looked at a quarter is like i go to the laundromat and i put quarters in but i never you know look even anymore so Um, you do use quarters yeah i mean i I use quarters like (laughs) twice a month you know it's just it's so infrequent that i like it i don't know i feel like they could have just picked anything else but I will say one thing that I thought was good about this whole program was that it made me read more about who Anime Wong was. And I yeah. think the funniest thing to me was she was constantly getting typecast in roles in America. And things were so bad in America in terms of film that she actually went to Europe and got better roles in Europe as an Asian person. And I'm like, Europe, the one that like just the other day I was reading about how racist Sweden is. The one oh, where no. the UK is like conservatives as fuck. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just so funny that Europe was a place that treated her better than America. But then then I would need I want to question what kind of roles did she get in Europe? Like, were, was she were they like putting really Orientalist movies out? And they're like, we want this to be as accurate as possible. So we're going to cast an Asian person in it, you know, like that kind of thing. No, it was it was better than what she was getting in America. Dude, in America. Okay. <laughs> The most famous line is she lost a leading role in a, in a movie called The Good Earth, and she lost it to a white person in yellow face. Cool. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what the fuck? 
that's so insulting but no it's it, she she had a better run in europe and then she came back later uh to do some more films in america mm, okay well my my hottest take and maybe it's not that hot of a take actually but i feel like they're kind of just doing this to placate the stop asian hate movement oh yeah you know sure, what i mean like sure, yeah. oh the y'all went out and you know did a little protest, did a little dance. Here's a quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, keep the change, literally. Yeah, because, yeah, like, I mean, like, I mean, it's interesting, you know, it's, it is an East Asian. I think that's important to interrogate, just like, with, given the context of everything that's been going on the past couple of years, like, it seems like, huh, oh, yeah, those people exist. Let's put yeah. them on a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I am trying not to be too skeptical of this right now <laughs> because they still do have a lot of quarters left. So, you know, maybe next year when they start, you know, their their lineup of people will be more multidimensional. Mm, that is the hope. Yeah. All right. Well, closing out this episode, we're going to cover the last item on the docket. New York officials are trying to keep videos of homicides and other violence off the Internet. Aaron, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, so my first thought was, does this include videos of cops? And in short, no, I don't think it includes that. Uh, this is mainly for like white supremacists and like teens on like 4chan and Discord writing manifestos. And I think it's good that they're keeping this off the internet because it does seem like, you know, future shooters are sort of taking inspiration or like learning from past offense. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's good that we're trying to scrub this before it propagates a lot. Okay. But it does seem like a challenge to moderate this kind of content, uh, like we talked about previously with Google and algorithms. So I'm not sure how effective the law will be, but I think the effort is good. Mm, that's interesting. I actually thought the reverse, though I hear your point about giving potential shooters like inspo and stuff to put on their vision board. <laughs> I feel like we have difficulty getting uh, videos from cop body cameras. And I feel like, you know, being able to have like eyewitness accounts and security accounts are very important. Like there was like the whole thing with like the Alex Jones trial, right? Like people were like, he he was able to propagate that like that that didn't happen that it was a hoax and i worry that like if this goes far enough that there is a future where something like this happens again but people are like oh that grocery shooting never happened like that kind of thing you know like there's mm. where's the proof so you're saying because they restrict it then people may not believe it that yeah. it happened yeah mm okay that is a good point and also a very scary point to think about <laughs> But I can see that, especially in an age where, you know, anyone can have a platform. There's so much disinformation, you know, intentionally spread to mislead or lie. Now I'm thinking like, okay, we shouldn't ban it from the internet, but it should just be released and put into this special vault where people can still access it, but just not, you know, not be allowed <laughs> no to No screen spread. recording. Yeah. <laughs> like, like whatever, whatever Netflix does, we need to do that. To... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the container of forbidden knowledge that like, if we need to pull up receipts, it is there, but otherwise mm. it does not escape from this box. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I, I think it's a really interesting move given that, you know, we, we, we've covered before that the subways will have uh, cameras now, right? To like film attacks, blah, blah, blah. They can't be monitored live. It's literally just to like, and this is evidence. And it's interesting because critics are like, oh, like you guys are going to use that video to make like fear-based propaganda. Mm. And then it's interesting that like they're saying in regards to like videos like this, like homicides and mass shootings and things like that, they're trying to reduce that, you know? Yeah. I mean, overall, it's like, uh, I would want to know, does limiting this stuff actually limit people from trying to do this in the future? Right. Like, that's that's what I have, I have no idea about. And it doesn't really mention that in their reasoning. It's like kind of like hypothesis right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll kind of see how it goes. This whole thing was just based around New York and New York State and the Buffalo shooting specifically. So yeah, it, it may not carry out to different states across the country. But I, I will say for now, it just I was surprised by what is legalized right now for public broadcasting. Like the Buffalo shooter, he streamed it on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote the manifesto on Discord. And I'm like, what the? And then and Discord's own uh, moderators were like, oh, we did not catch this because of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, how do you? We we use a Discord. How do you write a manifesto in Discord? Like, why would you not use Google Docs? You yeah. know, like, why why Discord? That's... <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I'm well I'm just like this this stuff is he's literally giving you the evidence on a silver platter and no red flags went off. That is an alert for me. <laughs> so like I I have lower trust of Twitch and Discord after this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be you know, we we can always speculate about like oh like they're going to make f- fear-based propaganda and blah 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 and will it stop shooters? But like ultimately it goes back to the question can government regulate tech companies tech as a platform um you know just because new york says hey you can't do this like are, are how is tiktok gonna do that for new york and then not the rest of the country you know yeah, exactly exactly Mm-mm. yeah we'll see though um you know as with all these laws it's like so early and it's just that first article that gets people talking like we're talking about it right now but whether anything will happen like we'll, we'll probably have to check in on this in like half a year yeah yeah all right and that's our episode for this week thank you so much for listening if you want to support the podcast you can first find us on instagram at politically asian podcast or on twitter at politic asian pod um if you're listening to this on apple or spotify please take a few seconds to give us five stars on either one of those platforms it really helps us out all right thanks for listening and bye, bye.